0: are continuing this series this morning, We in a Me-Centered World, and several weeks ago, Tyler had said something that started to spark some some thoughts in my head, and really, God's starting to speak to me. And then, ironically, Emmanuel spoke last week, and at the end, he started to say something uh, to close out his message. And I was like, okay, this is affirmation that this is God speaking to me about what's going on this morning and what God has put in my heart. So I always find it fascinating when God begins to unite the hearts of the pastors in something together and Shows that God is, is bringing us together as pastors in a place of unity and to, to speak and to be able to connect with one another. So, God is doing something, and I'm excited to see what He is doing and where He's going to go with things. But this morning, my message is called Evaporation is Real, right? Evaporation is a real thing. So, we can look at water, this is ice, which Most of you should know at this point in time is solid water, correct? We can agree on the fact that this here in this cup is water. Without water, we would not be able to live. Without water, we would die of thirst. We wouldn't last very long. Most of our bodies are, or all of our bodies are mostly made out of water. Let me get it right. Um, But. It's fascinating to think about the idea that that water in itself, when put in the right temperatures, can either freeze or it can evaporate. And it's interesting that as it evaporates, it, you know, it goes up into the air, and then it gets into the clouds, and then it begins to 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 reformulate into a liquid, and then we all know it rains or. When it gets to the where it's going to be, I guess this week it's going to be at 32 at some point in time, even down into the 20s this week. What's up with that? I know, I know. Some of us may be excited about about the cold. I think we're all can agree and come in unity with the fact that we're it's not 100 anymore, right? So there, we're in unity already this morning. That's a good thing. But it's interesting that the way that it moves and and that when it's up in the air and when it gets cold, it freezes and. It's just a really neat thing if you think about it, right, the idea of, of water and what it can do. So these cups of, of ice are up here. I will get to them later. So just allow them to sit there and be intrigued as to why they're there, because it's not going to be till the end until I talk about it. So you got a long time to wait. But we are going to start in James chapter 4 this morning. So I know we spent a long time in James uh, recently, and uh, I'm going to bring it back today. But James chapter 4, starting in verse 13, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears in a little time and then vanishes. And then some of it actually says, we are but a vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that as it is. As it is, excuse me, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. I'm getting too excited up here. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Very powerful statements within this little passage here. But what I want to point out first and foremost is life is finite. Life is temporary. Life has an expiration date. Life will come to an end. And we honestly don't know when that is for each and every one of us. And whether we like it or not, our lives are speeding towards death. Very morbid, right? Sorry, I promise there's a good point to this, but let's start here in the idea of recognizing our own mortality. That we do not have a long time here on earth in the expanse of time. And when God started and created everything and time started, there is an end to our time. And there is absolutely nothing that we as people can do to stop it from coming. We can do preventative measures to try to make our lives last longer. We can try to do whatever we can to slow down. But we can absolutely not stop death because our lives are truly in the hands of God and God determines when it is our time to leave. You know, this is something that, you know, we can be terrified of is because as people, we want to control everything. Everything. We want to have a firm grasp on everything, but ultimately our lives are in God's hands and He can determine whether we stay here or whether we leave. And we can easily dwell on or fear the mortality of our own lives. We have the ability to be afraid of of dying. We have the ability to be afraid that our lives will expire. And when we dwell on that, it can take us to a very dark place. I think all of us can say that if we are a parent or or we have kids, that we want to see our kids grow up. We want to see where their lives go. And we can fear the idea of, of losing that when we die. Or, or maybe it's the idea of we want to just spend our lives with our spouse. We want to, to see all of these things. We want to get the right promotion. We want to get all of these things. And if we die, we will never get to experience those things. And it's okay. Okay. To think about those things, but not allowing that fear to to take us away from what God has called us to, or the recognition that life is short. When we live in a, a place where we're afraid of our own death and we we dwell on that and we fear on that and we allow it to to drive us, that is a me centered mindset. I want to see this. I want to experience this. I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. You know, one of the biggest fears when it actually is talking about the aspect of death is that we fear the unknown. Many people are afraid to die because they don't know what is beyond this world. We don't know what to expect when we die. Is it going to hurt at that moment? Is it going to be at peace? What happens? Do we, do we go into uh, the heavens? Do, what, what happens? Do we die and just go into the earth? These are many things that people fear when death comes into place. But ultimately, what do we know as, as followers of Christ? We who know Christ do not have to fear death because in Him is life. We don't, as Christians and followers of a Savior, we don't have to fear death because there is no unknown on the other side. We know because God said those who call on the name of my son believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. We have a promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear the unknown because God has promised that we will join him. We will get to be face to face with our Savior when we expire from this life. But I also want to point to the fact that maybe somebody here in the room, you have not decided that Jesus is your savior. You have not decided to, to give your life to Jesus and allow him to save you from the death that we are promised outside of Jesus. Maybe you don't have that assurance in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you as he died on the cross, as he raised from the dead and he forgave our sins, giving us a chance at life beyond this world. So this morning, maybe that's you. I'm going to take a moment to pause and I want to pray. I want to pray with you. You can pray within your seats. You can pray right now that you don't have to fear death because Jesus died for you. So you can pray within your seat. And for those of you in this room, maybe you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Begin to pray for them right now. Father God, I, I recognize that I am a, a sinner, that I am broken. I recognize that I have fallen away from you, but you tell us in your word that when we believe in you, that that brokenness is repaired. Lord, that through you our sins and our wrongdoings and our mistakes are forgiven. Jesus, we believe that you died on the cross as a sacrificial lamb for each of us. God, we we acknowledge that you raised from the dead, that you raised your son from the dead, proving that he is the savior for each and every one of us that we need. And we recognize that you will be coming back for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer maybe for the first time or you can recognize that you no longer have to fear death. You no longer have to fear your mortality. Because when we pray and receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. That Jesus' blood washes over us and makes us, makes us clean. We get to join and be with our Savior. But as we jump back into to James chapter 13. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know if, if life will be present tomorrow. We truly do not know if tomorrow will even happen for us or for others. But let me ask you this. What if we stopped thinking so much about our own mortality and began to think about, think about the mortality of others? What if we got to that place recognizing truly what Jesus has done for us that we don't have to live in fear of our mortality but we began to fear for the mortality of those that don't know who Jesus Christ is. Start to live in a we mindset focused on the idea that there are people in this world that do not know Jesus, have no hope in this world. There is no recognition that there is a Savior out there in the world for them. And they're lost. They're lost without hope. They're lost in a place of fear of of that recognition of not knowing what goes on beyond this life. What if we could get to that place where we focus more on others? What if today was the last day of a stranger's, a co-worker's, a friend's, or a family member's life, and they did not know Jesus? What if, what if today, what if tonight was their last time here on earth? And we had the ability to talk to them about Jesus, but we chose not to because of our own fears. If we knew that tomorrow was their last day, we would do everything that we could to save their lives, to share Jesus, but what, nobody's promised tomorrow. We don't know if their life will expire. We don't know if our life will expire and we never get the chance to share Jesus because our lives are gone. What if instead about fearing about our own death for ourselves, which we don't need to, we started fearing for death for those that don't know Jesus? We show that we fear death when we don't share Christ with others because we're too scared of of rejection or we're too scared of the persecution that comes our way. So therefore, we're so scared that we're thinking about ourselves again rather than thinking about the idea, I should share Jesus with this person. I need to plant the seeds in their life that God has taught me, that God has shown me, that was spoken into my life. I need to plant those seeds in their lives. Then God will grant the opportunity for it to grow. It's their choice from that point to, to share or to, to, to receive Jesus. Jesus. But our opportunity that we have and the privilege that we have is that as we already know Jesus, we have the opportunity to help them know Jesus. James chapter 4, 16 and 17 says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. It's talking about the idea of I'm going to do this. I'm going to, to do all of these things tomorrow. All of the plans that I have are going to be tomorrow. I will go and do all of these things tomorrow. But then it says, so, so whoever knows the, the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Let me ask you this. Do you know that you're supposed to share Jesus with other people? Do you know that you are called to share Jesus to help other people recognize who Jesus is in their lives, that there is a hope? Do you know that, church? Then why is it that we continue to resist? Why is it that we continue to not share Christ with other people that need that hope in this world? Why is it that we are, are holding back? Because right here in this passage it says, so, who, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. To know we need to share Jesus with someone else and we continue to put it off is a sin. I know this is, this is a heavy thing this morning, but we have to grasp this idea that there are people that need to know who Jesus is because they don't have much time. Life is short. We can recognize that as we see our, our children grow or we look in the mirror and we see we don't look the same that we used to or we see our children as, as babies and now they're, they're almost 10 years old. It passes by. We have to have that recognition that life truly is but a vapor that's here today and it's gone tomorrow. The reality is that it's not just the idea that death, that our lives are speeding towards death. Let's take a look at at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 36. It says, but concerning that day, an hour no one knows. It's talking about Jesus is, is talking to his disciples and talking to the people that are there and saying that, that no one knows the time or the hour that Jesus or that Jesus will be sent back. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. God is the only one that knows when He's going to say, Jesus, it's time to return. It's time to go back, to collect your people. For as we were For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. What a picture! What a picture that Jesus is painting in this moment as he's talking about the idea of his return, of his imminent return. He's comparing it to the days of Noah and the idea that everybody was living their life normally. Everybody was doing all the things that they're supposed to in life. They're going about and getting married and giving in marriage and having parties and everything was, was good. Little did they know that there was a flood coming. Little did they know that the earth was about to be flooded and their life was going to be over. They weren't aware. Just in the same way that there's so many people in this life that are unaware that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming and we don't know. He doesn't know. The angels don't know. Only God knows. So death is not the only thing that is speeding towards us, so is Jesus' return. Either way, when we think about the idea of whether death is coming for us or Jesus returns, we have to have the recognition life is going is we're going to leave this world. There are so many people that are living their lives completely unaware of what awaits them. They're unaware that there is a Savior that is coming back to remove us from this world, to take us from this world, and they are going to be left in a place that is going to be full of of destruction. And if you get into Revelation and you begin to read Revelation, you see all of the catastrophic and terrible things that await those that do not go with Jesus. Not to mention the idea that when they die, if they do not know Jesus, there is something awful that awaits them. An eternal death. They are completely unaware that this is what happens after life. And they're just scared of the idea of of the unknown. Imagine how terrified they're going to be when they get to the other side. And it's not just an unknown. We can look around this world and the chaos that is happening and we can know that the world is coming to an end. You know, they, they've been saying for a long time that it's imminent, that it's coming soon, and, but the Bible says there's many different signs and, and all that kind of stuff and we're starting to see a lot of those things happen. Second Timothy chapter 3, we're just going to uh, read a quick passage, 1 through 7. But it talks about what is the world going to look like as it's coming to an end. And I think as we begin to look at this passage, we're going to recognize the world looks a lot like this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into the households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. The world looks a lot like that. And you know, it's... It's been interesting. We've been, I've been having some conversations with, with people talking about the idea of, of what COVID really did to this world. Because ultimately what COVID did was separate people from everybody else. Getting us to a place where we are only thinking about ourselves and our own survival other than those that have taken care of, of people and helped people survive covid but for the majority of the world many people were separated and by themselves only to think about themselves not only that but then it gets into the arguments of vaccination or no vaccination or mask or no mask and the opposite opinion is an enemy So, not only are we being separated and caused to to think about ourselves, but now we are put in places where we are to argue and fight whether which one is the right thing. And if they don't agree, then they're the enemy. COVID has done so much more damage than just the physicality or the sicknesses, but it's caused a huge mass of, of separation between people that some people don't even really know how to socialize still, or, or you can see it the way that people drive on the highways, that they care more about themselves and their destination than they do about anybody else. But that's what happens when we're put into a place of, of singularity and being by ourselves and thinking about ourselves in a constant basis, which is another reason why it's better to be a me or a we centered person rather than a me centered person. Because we forget how to care about other people. But we can look at the brokenness of, of where this world is and recognize that. There are many people that are completely and utterly in love with themselves. That all of those things, we see it coming to light in so many ways. And at the end, in the last two verses, it's talking about the idea that there's going to be people that are creeping around. And, and uh, the commentaries talk about it being like a con man or a swindler. Or somebody that's going to take advantage of, of saying that they know the truth and seducing women. And doing all of these really terrible things to con and pull people away from the truth. And then it closes out with the idea... Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. In this world, there's so many things that we are learning and told as truth, but nobody's learning the truth. Because Christians are too scared to share the truth. And we allow many people who are lost to continue to believe in a truth that's being told out there in the world that's not real truth. But as I said, people are always looking for truth, but cannot find it because we aren't sharing it. We know the time is coming, but we have no idea when. What if it's tomorrow? What if Jesus looks at this world, or God looks at this world, and he looks at Jesus and says, Tomorrow looks good. Tomorrow is the day that you should go. Continuing uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 40, it says this Then two men will, will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. So this is after Jesus is talking about the idea that we he doesn't know when he's coming back. Nobody knows when he's coming back and, and that the world is coming to an end in the same way that, that it was flooded back then with Noah, that people are going to be completely unaware of what is about to hit them, keep living their lives, thinking everything is hunky-dory and everything's going wonderful and living life and celebrations and all of these things. But then it gets to this. It says that, Two people will be together and one will be taken and one will not. Typically, if people are that close to one another, there's some sort of relationship. Wouldn't you agree? We have to really think about the idea that the people within our lives matter. They matter enough. We should love them enough to share the gospel, to share the truth. People that you care about. Will be left behind. People that we love will be left behind if you are not willing to to step up. If I'm not willing to step up, people that I love and people that I care about are going to be left while I'm gone. It's a harsh reality that Jesus could come at any time and the people that we are standing next to will be left here because we chose not to say anything. This is the call right now, the one that the worship team sung this morning, wake up, wake up, old sleeper. Matthew chapter 24, starting in 42 says, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he, was, he would stay awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." To be asleep is a me mentality. To be awake is a we mentality. We cannot afford well, for other people's sake to, to be asleep, to stay asleep in this life. The, Jesus is calling us in this moment that we, don't, we cannot afford the ability to sleep. We need to stay awake because people are counting on us. We as Christians have been asleep for far too long, and we can see the repercussions by the way this nation is going. We're too afraid to offend, right? It's exactly what you said last week. We are too afraid to offend, and we jump back into the idea that we fear our own persecution, and we fear rejection, rather than truly and deeply loving those that need to know Jesus. If we knew that today was the last day that we would see somebody, we would share Jesus with them, right? If you knew that today was the last day that you were going to see see somebody and you knew that their life was going to expire tomorrow, you knew that they were going to pass on from this life and they didn't know Jesus, you would do everything that you can to share Jesus with them. That is a harsh thing to think about because we don't live that way. So let me give this scenario. If we knew the date and time that someone was going to be killed, right? We jump into the idea of the minority report, right? That movie or that book and the idea that you can see the future. You can see a crime that's going to happen You would do everything within your capability to go and remove that person from that situation, right? You would do everything that you can to say, hey, don't be there on this time at this moment because somebody is going to come and they are going to kill you. Or don't be driving on the highway at this specific time because somebody is going to hit you and your life is going to be over. We would do everything that we can to say, don't do this. Don't go that way. Because we know if we could get them out of that situation or away from that situation, their life would be saved, right? They would be able to live another day. But why is it that we don't treat a spiritual life in the same way? We know that people that don't know Jesus, if their life expires, there is death waiting for them. We know this. We know this as Christians that if you have don't have Jesus, there is no hope beyond this world. We know that. Why is it that we choose not to share? Why is it that we decide not to talk about Jesus to somebody else? If we want to save them physically, why would we not want to save them spiritually, which is an eternity? There is a vast difference in the idea of being but a vapor within this world. And we want to save somebody that is but a vapor, but yet we don't want to save something that will last forever. You know, it's, it's interesting Is we look at these ice cubes up here, right? This ice cube that was sitting up here by itself, it's pretty much all but gone, right? There's nothing left, really, of this ice cube. We see the amount of water that is already in there, but yet we look at this cup, which there's a lot more ice together, right? Right? Ironically, even though there's more ice, there's less water in this cup, right? In the same way that a singular ice cube does not stand a chance by itself in the heat of of life or in the heat of the situation, a a person without somebody in their life to share them about Jesus or to have people that love them and care for them and gather around them that have no hope in this world, just in the same way. This ice cube has no chance by itself. I find it interesting, with more ice together, there's less meltage, there's less water. But it's because when the ice cubes come together and they they keep each other cold, they keep each other alive... In the same way that we as, as Christians, if we would truly gather around people and be with them, bring them into community with one another or, or bring into a community of people that want to help keep them alive or in the case of an ice cube to help keep them cold and, and let life last longer and a, and a realization that there is a hope for them but they need somebody to come alongside them and be with them and bring them to a place of, of community where they can continue to grow. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Tyler and I, we, we talked about this and he pointed out the idea also is that an ember needs another ember. And when two embers come together, it can spark and begin to cause a fire in the same way that we as Christians when one person gets the boldness and the ability to go out and begins to to share Jesus with somebody they are are but an ember that 's out there and doing the work of God and and all of a sudden they start to everybody else begins to see the reaction and that that little ember is beginning to to start other little fires around by itself, other embers can begin to come alongside, and now there's a catalyst that begins to ignite, and there's a fire because we're seeing the work being done. We're seeing that there's fruit that's happening, and we need to be embers for one another also. That we inside the church should be embers to, to ignite, to encourage, to to. To say, hey, do you need somebody to come alongside you to, to share Jesus with this person? Do you need somebody to come alongside you to help you with this? Because honestly, I got my calling and, and to do this when I first led somebody to Jesus for the first time. Because I realized the impact that it can make when you share Jesus with somebody and you, and you hear a couple days later that, hey, there's one less drug dealer in our school. That is the power when we share Jesus. Lives are transformed and we can be here to encourage one another and to give hope. I want to read one last passage this this morning. In Romans chapter 10, I'm closing up here. Starting in verse 14, it says, How then? Will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Today, you're sent. Today, You have heard this. Today, you know that there are people that need you. Today, you know that there are people out there that are dying, and we have the ability to save them. But again, how are they to call on him whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him if they have never heard? As the song that we we sang this morning, Jesus is coming. We don't know when, but let's take as many people as we can with us. Can we do that, church? And I want to close out with a nerd moment, and then I want to have the band come up here. And, but there is a, uh, an anime character, for those of you who don't know, that is a Japanese cartoon. Yes, I like Japanese cartoons. And there is a character, his name is, is Lamillion, And he wears the, the number a million across his chest. And as he's introducing himself to the other, other people that are there, they ask, why did you choose that name? Why do you wear a million across your chest? He said, I know that I can't save everyone, but my goal is to save one million. What if we had... That mentality. What if we lived in a way that we recognize that we aren't going to save everybody. There will be people that will reject. But what if we keep pushing forward to save as many as we can? Let's go within that mentality. So I want to invite the band to come back up. And I want to pose three questions for you to think about. If you truly believe that Jesus has saved you, not from a physical death, but from an eternal spiritual death, do you, think of, or do you think of others and love them enough to share Jesus with them? So knowing that Jesus has not saved you from a physical death, but a spiritual death, do you truly love others enough to share Jesus to save them in the same way? Or introduce them to Jesus so he can save them. Again, that jumps into a we versus me mentality. I'm saved, so I'm okay. But let's turn that around and say, I know I'm saved and I know what saved me, so I'm going to get out there and I'm going to help others to know Jesus. Who is someone that you have been hesitant to share Jesus with? Why wait any longer? We and they are not promised tomorrow. Maybe you need to take a moment right now as I talked about at the beginning when we know the right thing to do when we choose not to do it it's a sin so maybe you need to take some time to repent because you've been holding off. Think about that person and begin to say Jesus I'm sorry that I didn't listen to you I'm sorry that I didn't come to share Jesus with this person will you forgive me? And then after you do that Make a way that you can do that. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. If you would live in regret because someone you knew died without Jesus, don't live in that regret. Take the time to show them how much you love them and how much Jesus loves them. If you would truly live in that place of regret, to know that they died and you had the opportunity to share Jesus, you don't have to live with that regret because you can go and share Jesus with them. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we loved ourselves enough to receive Jesus and ask Jesus into our hearts, we should love others enough to help them to do the same. So maybe as this next song is playing and maybe in these next few minutes, begin to think about Who is that person in your life that you need to share Jesus with? Who would you regret if they died today or if they died tomorrow and they didn't know Jesus? So, Father God, I want to thank you that you are a God that cares enough for each and every one of us, that loves us enough to to save us, that you died such a horrible death so that way we could be saved. Lord, in the same way that we uh, are loved by you, I pray that we would love others enough to to lay down our own lives, to lay down our own insecurities, to lay down our own fears, to lay down the idea of persecution and and all of those things, so that way we can help others to find you. God, I pray that you would put people within our hearts, that you would put people within our minds, Lord, that you would give us the boldness and the courage to share because if you have asked us to do it, we know that your Holy Spirit is going to go and be there. Let us not fear the idea of rejection because... God, once we've shared Jesus and we planted seeds, we have no idea what you're going to do, how you're going to take it, when you're going to cause those seeds to grow. But we are called to share. We are called to plant those seeds. We are called to water those seeds. But God, you are the one that causes the growth. So Lord, I pray that as everybody in this room begins to share Jesus, that those seeds would begin to grow because you have seen their their lives you have seen the way that we have shared you and God that we would be able to witness the idea of, of others coming to know who you are and that their lives would be transformed and changed and they would be able to find a place of hope God I thank you for this morning Lord I thank you for your saving grace Lord that you love us and forgive us and save us from ourselves Lord, help us to help others do the same. In Jesus' name.